Okay, our scripture for tonight comes from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. And if you have your Bibles, you can open them up there. If not, we have some, we have one Bible (laughs) at the front that somebody can use. Uh, Note to self, order Bibles. Uh, I'm I'm used to, uh, we used to have a fellow at... uh, the church I was at before that always furnished the Bible. I mean, he had Bibles for me. He just said, let me know when you need them. Or I wouldn't even have to let him know. He'd just have a case of Bibles he'd bring me. So, um, And they weren't little chintzy Bibles either. They were real good Bibles. Um, but the, the verses will be on the screen. Oh, we need to do that? Okay. Thank you, because I forgot this yesterday at 11 o'clock. Uh, the building fund, the building fund. Um, we needed $38,065 more than what we had asked you for. We have had commitments for uh, and received, actually, money for $25,358. So what we still need is 12707 And I can let you in on a little secret that uh, after yesterday, what we need is $11,031. That's... I don't, we've got that odd 31. I started to throw $33 in or something, so it'd be down under 10000 but uh, or 11000 but uh, that's, that's where it stands. And uh, I was out there today, and the air conditioning works. So I've decided uh, that we're going to have a concession, you know, a, where we sell stuff, and we're going to sell blankets and coats. And uh, the people that complain about being too cold will get them a blanket or a coat, you know, because it is, it's, uh, it's cool in that place, and it, and, it, and it doesn't make anywhere near that much noise. It's really, 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 really quiet. So uh, hopefully in a couple of weeks you can experience that. We're, we're at Matthew 28. This, this book is alive. Matthew 28, verse 16. Matthew 28, verse 16, and this is the infallible Word of God, the only rule that we have for our faith and for our life. So listen to God's Word. Then the eleven disciples, this obviously was after the death and resurrection, and Judas was no longer a part of the equation. The eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. After the death on the cross, after resurrection from the grave, 11 disciples that had been with him all that time, some of them still doubted. Amazing, isn't it? Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And I always say, I don't know how much authority that is, all the authority in heaven and on earth, but I think it's quite a lot of authority. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Teaching them would be teaching us. We're the them that they're talking about there. To obey 
everything I have commanded you. And that's important that we're going to find out what he had commanded them. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. See, so promises to be with us. He won't leave us alone. He's going to be with us to the very end of the age. We're talking tonight about a place to discover significance. We're in the second week of a, of a series that I've titled, Looking for a Great Church, because so many people on their Connect cards, particularly on Sunday, not often on Monday night, but on Sundays will write on the back where it says, what, why did you come to renovation, or whatever the question is there in the top right-hand corner, um, they'll put... I'm looking for a good church. I'm looking for a great church. I'm looking for a home church, looking for a better church, looking for church, church, church. And I thought we might as well look at, well, what is a great church? If there's one around, I certainly want to know about it, and I hope you want to know about it too. And the last time we looked at this little equation that I told you would be our big idea for every one of the four weeks in the series. Hopefully by the end of the series, you'll have it memorized. A great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission carried out with great compassion will grow a great church that will glorify a great God. Great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission carried out with great compassion will grow, uh, carry, uh, yeah, carry out with great compassion, will grow a great church that will glorify a great God. And last week, we looked at, in depth, what it was to live out the great commandment. In essence, it was to love God, that's our vertical relationship, and to love others, that's our horizontal relationship. And if you weren't here for that teaching, um, I would encourage you to go to the website and listen to the podcast. You go to that website, click on media, um, find podcasts, and go down there and look at last week's, uh, last week's message because there's some foundational stuff in there, not just for this series, but for church in general, for life in general, for how we live out our lives. And I think it's real important that you know those things. We looked at three ways that you love God. We looked at three ways that you love others, and I call that living out the great commandment. But tonight we're going to look at the great commission. And I guess we'll be looking at the same thing. How do you live out the great commission? But I I should remind you, I uh, got a little ahead of myself, that uh, a church is made up of people, A church is the people, not the buildings or the programs or anything else. So a great church would be a church that's made up of great people. That was the premise that we looked at last week. How do we become great people? That's what we want to know. That's what we want to discover as we go through this series. Well, the Bible says in order to become great people, it takes a great commitment to the great commandment. That's our study from last week. The great commandment is Matthew 22, 37 through 39, and that was your memory verse last week. So, you ready to say it? 
Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Take that off. <laughs> I don't want them cheating. Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Okay, so you got the great commandment. And the Bible says it takes a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission. And if you've been around the church for any period of time at all, not renovation, but the church, you've heard that term, great commission, great commission. So what, what in the world does the great commission really mean? We're going to take a different look at the Great Commission tonight than maybe you have in your churches before. Uh, even this great scripture from Matthew 28, 16 through 20, we're going to look at it in a different light, in a more general view than we would taking it word by word or phrase by phrase and breaking it out and really talking about evangelism. We're not going to talk so much about evangelism but we're going to talk about how it fits into becoming a great church. The Great Commission is just Jesus' last words, his last words, his final words, what he left behind as he left his disciples and went to heaven to be with his Father. And not only did he leave those words behind for his disciples, he left those words behind for you and me as well. I've always been a little fascinated maybe in a kind of morose way of, of uh, looking at the last things that people said before they died, particularly famous people. I just I always thought it was a kind of neat thing to see what was on their mind. Uh, remember when we go to the table here, I tell you, Jesus is talking to his friends about the things that were the most important, the things that he wanted them to remember. So one would think on our deathbeds we would have something of value to say. But that's not always the case. You know what P.T. Barnum's last words were? How are the sales at Madison Square Garden today? <laughs> uh, what about Humphrey Bogart, the great actor, Casablanca, uh, African Queen, any other, any other number of uh, great movies? Uh, Humphrey Bogart's last words were, I know I should have never switched from scotch to martinis. Stan Laurel from Laurel and Hardy was asked on his deathbed, how are you doing, Stan? And he said, well, frankly, I'd rather be skiing. Diana, Princess of Wales, before she lapsed into a coma, said, my God, what's happened? John Lennon said, I'm shot. Voltaire, the uh, French philosopher, when asked by a priest on his deathbed to renounce Satan, he didn't believe in God, renounce Satan. Voltaire said, now, now, my good man, this is no time to make enemies, I guess on either side. And the emperor Julian, one of the last emperors of the Roman Empire, uh, he came to power only for a short period of time. It seems like they were all killed off, you know, after a year or two. 
He came to power after Christianity had been endorsed by the Roman Empire, and he was determined he was going to reverse that. He was going to go back to all the Roman Empire worshiping the pagan gods. On his deathbed, Emperor Julian said, You have won, O Galilean. So Jesus won the battle. But you can't really build a life of significance on any of those last words. They're just not, just not things we could hang our hats on, are they? Uh, but Jesus left behind some final words that we find at the end of, of Matthew chapter 28, the ones that we just read a while ago. And if I were you, I would commit those words to memory, the great commission to memory. It's as important as the great commandment. I told you there's four uh, statements that we're going to look at in Scripture that the Bible calls great, and this is one of them, the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, and it just happens to be your memory verse. And it's on the little blue card that you got when you came in that you're not going to look at now. You can put it away because it's going to be on the screen for you this time. Right, Luke? Yeah, it is. Right there it is. Okay. So we're going to read this, and you know how the drill goes. You take a little bit away each time, and before you leave here tonight, you know the Great Commission. Okay? Matthew 22, uh, 28, 19 through 20. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. I can hardly hear you. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And <coughs> Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Matthew 
Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Matthew 28, 19 through 11. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go and make disciples. Here's your test, your final exam, 19 through 20. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Great. So, at least at this minute, you know the great commandment and the Great Commission. Why is this commission called great? Well, I told you it's called great because it's Jesus' final words. But in it, Jesus says, let me give you the directives for significance. Let me give you the keys to what significance really is. I don't want you to roam around in darkness anymore, uh, stumbling around in darkness. I, I want you to know, to know what it takes to live a life that's significant. So in other words, Jesus is saying the great commandment is the key to great significance. The great commandment is the key to great significance. And I think a lot of people today, out there, in here maybe, misunderstand what significance is all about. I mean, we've heard the word significance over and over again, probably, not just in church, but, but you know, out in the world, too, significance. So I looked it up in the dictionary to make sure I had a, a valid definition to bring to you tonight. And the dictionary says, having or likely to have a major effect. I probably should have written that in your notes or on the screen, but I didn't. Forgot about that. Significance means having or likely to have a major effect. So who in your life, can you think of somebody in your life that had a major effect on your life? That was a person of significance. It could be a parent. It could be a grandparent. It could be a teacher. It could be a friend. It could be somebody you work with. You know who that person is. They were significant because in your life at least, they had a major effect on who you are today. It could be good or it could be bad. Think about significant leaders around the world. We had people like Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, 
Adolf Hitler. All significant leaders because they had major effects on the people around them, really on the entire world. And Jesus says that all of us, not just those great people, but all of us can live lives of significance when we decide that we're going to live out the Great Commission. If we went out on the street here today and stopped that traffic and, and were to ask them a question, what does it take to live a life of significance, what do you think their answer would be? Money. I think that would be number one. Because we think if we have money, we'll be significant, right? If I have money, I can put my name on a building. Trump Towers, you know. Trump Casino. Trump this. Trump that. (laughs) Power. If you've got power, you're significant, aren't you? You're a significant person if you wield power over somebody. Fame. Sometimes fame is even worse than the other two. Striving for fame. We think fortune follows it. It doesn't always. Influence. Your ability to influence other people. Basically, what they would be doing is they would be repeating a formula that they have learned. They don't know know that it's a formula, but it's a formula that they have had ingrained in them since birth. It would be what I would call, and it's the wrong formula, by the way. It's not correct, but it's unfortunately what most of the world believes today. I call it the world's formula. Significance equals possessions plus power plus position. That's what we believe. Significance equals possessions. How much do I have? How much money do I have? What's my portfolio look like? Power. Am I in a position? Well, that's really position. But can I I, uh, display power over somebody? Am I able to say yes or no or you're fired or you're not fired to, to somebody? And then my position. Do I have a big title? They have a great title. You know, some of these people have titles and they have more letters after their name than they do in their name. And I I always wonder, you know, what's the big whoop, you know? Weren't you happy to get out of school? Yeah, who who needs to go for 20 years after you're supposed to graduate just to have 45 letters after your name? But they say, if I only had possessions... Oh, gosh, if I only had a few more possessions or a little more power or a greater position, then I would be a significant people. And that's what, as I tell you, most of the people in the world believe that. But Jesus teaches something totally different, as he always does. He, he, go, he comes in and he turns the world upside down. He turns it inside out from what our normal way of thinking is. And he says the keys to significance are in the Great Commission. That's where you find the keys to, to uh, significance, he would say. It's not about things. It's not about titles. It's not about tools. It's about internal direction, not external direction. Significance is not about externals. True significance doesn't come from the outside in. True significance comes from the inside out. So let me give you Jesus' formula. 
for significance. Significance equals maturity plus ministry plus missions. Significance equals maturity plus ministry plus missions. And he says all those start with the internal. Start, they start with becoming like him, becoming more like him from the inside out. You can't become more like Jesus from the outside in. You can go and, and attend a thousand conferences where there's great worship music and stuff is going on. You're not, you're not going to change just because you went to the worship conference. Has, something has to take place inside. So are we maturing? Are we becoming more like Christ? And then the Great Commission is about ministry, about ministry. Real significance is found in serving other people, and that's ministry. That's what ministry is. And when you become a Christ follower, like it or not, you're commissioned to full-time ministry. Did you know that? You're commissioned to full-time ministry. Wherever you work, ministry is full-time service. Ministry has nothing at all to do with being a pastor. Pastors do ministry, but construction workers do ministry. And artists do ministry, and business professionals do ministry. Some policemen do ministry. Uh, students do ministry. Teachers do ministry. We're commissioned to do ministry. It has to do with serving. And finally, significance is about mission. Mission has to do with getting outside of ourselves. Getting, uh, maybe, maybe becoming uncomfortable going outside the four walls of the church. Significance is about mission. And when we put all those three together, we have significance equals maturity plus ministry plus missions. So do you really want a life of significance? Is that something you strive for? You strive for, you probably strive for acceptance by other people. That seems to be where most of us land. Oh, if we want to be liked by everybody else. Doesn't matter what we do, how we act, if we can just be liked by the people around us. Every major philosopher has taught on significance, and not very well either. There was one philosopher that I remember named Saxon White Kessinger. Saxon White Kessinger said this, and let me read it to you so I get the words exactly right. He said, if you want to know how significant you are, go put your hand in a pail of water and pull it out and look at the difference that it made. Wow. That's not very encouraging, is it? That doesn't give us much hope for significance. But Jesus said, I'll tell you exactly how to do it. I'll give you the Great Commission. I'll commission you to live lives of significance. So 
Is that what you want? And if it is, are you willing to look within yourself and to deal with some of the internal stuff that's going on in there? Some of it's not real pretty. Some of it's pretty nasty, as a matter of fact. But are you willing to deal with it? See, it's, it's easy to gain possessions. We can always work more hours and save more money and gain possessions. But it's hard to change from the inside out. Nobody ever said that was going to be an easy thing. It's difficult. We have to start with wanting to. Significance comes through consistent decisions that we make in the right direction. And significance doesn't come overnight. You're not going to take a pill or snap your fingers and be significant. Significance is a process. That you go through. But I know if I move consistently in the, the direction of maturity and ministry and mission and make decisions, right decisions, little by little by little, I will get there. I will become significant. And not only that, I'll leave a legacy of significance, which is really important. And if you're willing to engage in significance this evening, then I want you to take a look at these three questions with me. Questions that you have to ask yourselves and you have to answer for yourselves. I can't answer them for you. I can't look inside your heart and see what your true motivation is. So the first question is this, am I a Christ follower? And this is the one we're going to spend the most time on. Am I a Christ follower? Am I following Jesus? See, you can't ever expect to get to the right end if you don't start at the right beginning. And the right beginning starts with Jesus. Significance starts with following Jesus. It's the only path to significance. There is no other path to significance. Most people believe that, that significance will come with temporary things. We're back to that possessions and power and position equation. But real significance comes when, when you give your life to something greater than yourself, something much greater than yourself, something that's external, not temporary. I'm sorry, not external, eternal not temporary things, but eternal things, things that are not going to ever pass away, things that are difference-making things, things that are bigger-than-yourself things. So are you more about making an eternal difference or are you more about the short haul? living a life that's fun. That's the, that's the fundamental decision that I think all of us have to make. Do I want the temporary or do I want the eternal? And until we come to grips with that and really make that decision, it's not, it's not going to work for us. Am I living for temporary things in my life or am I living out my life in the light of 
eternity. Following Jesus Christ leads to eternal significance. And Jesus talked about this in the Sermon on the Mount. We looked at it in Matthew chapter 7, uh, beginning at verse 13. Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Hell's not a very significant place, is it? The highway to hell is broad. The gate leading there is wide for those that choose the easy way. The easy way. But the gateway to life is small. And the road is narrow. And only a few will ever find it. Those are interesting words from Jesus, aren't they? It's a fundamental decision. Am I going to follow Jesus? Am I going to be one of that few? Or am I going to be one of the meaningless majority? Which is it? Majority of the people around us today, not necessarily here, but around that, you know, that you deal with on a daily basis, the majority of the people are never going to find significance. The majority of the people that you deal with are just going to exist in this life. Just exist, unless you and I decide that we're going to intervene, they'll probably spend eternity separated from God on that broad road called hell. But there's a significant few who become Christ followers and they will give themselves to living lives of great significance. That can be you. That can be me. Why not be part of the few instead of the many? Why not? Don't you want to be part of the few? I don't want temporary things. There was a point in my life when temporary things were great. I mean, that's what I was striving for. I don't want temporary things. I want eternal significance. That's what Jesus talked about. And Paul is, is my case study for this. Every time I look at Paul, most of the writings about Christian maturity come from the Apostle Paul. Most of the understanding that we have today about what it means to be in ministry come from the Apostle Paul. Almost all of the precedent that we have for doing missions comes from the Apostle Paul who traveled around preaching, demonstrating, planting churches throughout the known world. Paul. That moment when he became a follower of Jesus Christ changed his life forever. And it could do the same for you and for me. When he was in jail looking back over what 
what had happened to him during his life, he wrote this in Philippians chapter 3, beginning at the last part of verse 4. He says, if anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew among Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. But what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, and the Greek word for that means dog dung. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. That's Paul. I think he lived a life of significance. People are looking for significance, but they're, all of them are looking in the wrong places. It's like that country western hit, looking for love in all the wrong places, where they're looking for significance in all the wrong places. And Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 12, he says, I am the light of the world. You've heard this. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What a picture that is. I mean, can you get that picture in your mind? People stumbling around in pitch darkness, looking for significance, trying to make a difference in their lives and in somebody else's life. And Jesus says, whoever follows me will have the light of life. So who has the light? Who is it that has the light? The few who follow Jesus Christ. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Only you can answer that. And if you want real significance, and I'm talking about real, honest-to-goodness, genuine significance, and you're feeling this emptiness in yourself from climbing this ladder for the sake of possessions and power and position, let me let you in on something. You don't have to change ladders. You just have to change leaders. You don't have to change ladders. If you're climbing a ladder, whether it's the ladder of arts or business or education or whatever it might be, it doesn't matter. You climb that ladder as high as you want to go. But don't climb the ladder if your purpose behind climbing that ladder is possessions or if it's power or if it's position. Instead, say, God, I'm going to use that ladder that you've given me to climb 
and I'm going to become the best person of maturity that's ever lived. God, I'm going to use that ladder that you've given me to climb to do as much ministry as I can to the people around me. And God, I'm going to use the money that I make that you gave me, by the way, to make a difference around the world through mission. The key to significance is being in full-time ministry. And full-time ministry in whatever position God wants you in. Whatever position He put you in. Your ladder may be in the corporate world. Your ladder may be in the construction world. Your ladder may be in the education world. Your ladder may be in the um, uh, medical field, the medical world. It, it really doesn't matter. I don't, I don't care what it is. Don't change ladders. Just change leaders. Let Jesus Christ be your leader. Decide that in your heart tonight. So today we're looking at, tonight we're looking at significance, a place where we can discover significance, and that would be in a great church. I want my life to matter. I hope you want your life to matter. I want, I want my life to count for something. You've got, most of you have a lot more life left than I do. I hope you want your life to count for something, too. So the first question for significant living is, am I following Jesus? The second is this, am I growing in my faith? Am I growing in my faith? That's a question of significance because you were created by God to grow spiritually. God created you and me to grow in our faith. When I was young, my grandparents who raised me used to call me into the kitchen. There was a doorway between the dining room and the kitchen. They would call me into the kitchen every year on my birthday. You know where we're going with this? And we would have to draw a line on the doorway as to how tall I was, right? I think when the house was torn down, those marks for... Uh, me and a couple of my cousins were, were still on that doorway. I wish I had saved that doorway. I remember when I was 14 years old, I was 5 foot 8. And when I was 15 years old, I was 5 foot 9. And when I was 16 years old, I was 5 foot 10. And when I was 17 years old, I was 5 foot 11. And when I was 18 years old, I was 5 foot 11. And I was so disappointed because I had stopped growing. Somehow, I've lost about a half an inch since then. I really don't know how all that works. Fortunately, there comes a time in our lives when we stop growing physically. Or I guess we'd all be, you know, 12 feet tall. Well, some of us continue growing physically, but not 
high. You know, we grow in other, in other ways. Uh, but spiritually, we never have to stop growing. We never have to stop. In fact, spiritually, you were created by God to last forever. Did you know that? There's a part of you that can never die. That's the spiritual part of you. Yet for so many reasons, we still worry more about the temporary parts of our lives than we do about the eternal parts. It's the eternal part that lasts forever. That's the part we need to be exercising and growing and using every day. It's growing spiritually, growing in your faith that lasts forever. You were created to grow in your faith to become more like Jesus. That's why you were created that way. Each passing year, you should be a little more like Jesus. So how do we get that way? How do we grow in our faith? Well, we've talked before about reading the Bible. That's important. About praying. We had a series on prayer. That's important. We have here a lot of different opportunities to connect with people, to grow in community. Sunday morning, Monday night in our worship services is one of the ways we come together and we sing together, we worship together, we have fun together. We may go out into the community and serve together at something like Shepherd's Table or any other number of events. Another example is our Alpha course where we come together in in small groups. Uh, My Alpha group this particular time is is very, very close. Sometimes they're not that close. We are very... they've, They've just bonded and it's like a family. Your spiritual maturity is tied closely to your significance. They almost can't be separated. The more you grow in your faith, the more significant your life is going to be. The more you grow in your faith, the bigger impact your life is going to have on those around you and those out in the world. And the better prepared you're going to be for eternity. And if you want to live a life of significance, if you want to really live a life that matters, then you've got to keep growing in your faith. God has called some of us not to be superior and not to do a work that's greater than serving God in the secular world, but to give our lives to making sure that other people are equipped and empowered to serve. That's really what I'm here for. That's what my calling at Renovation Church is, to equip you to serve God and to empower you to use your gifts in service to both the church and to others. So the first question was, am I following Christ? The second is, am I growing in my faith? And then the third is, am I serving others? Am I serving others? We're going to talk about this real briefly tonight because next week in The Great Compassion, we're going to uh, focus a lot more on the serving part. But we'll go back to this equation. Significance equals maturity plus ministry plus mission. Ministry and mission are both acts of service. 
both of them are service. Maturity is something you do yourself inside yourself. Ministry and mission are things that happen elsewhere. Ministry is serving those inside the church, and mission is serving those outside the church. And that's the simplest definition I can give you. Again, next, next week we'll look at that a little more. Every person that you met on your way in here tonight, they're about serving ministry. The band, the people who set up the room and got the refreshments ready, the greeters, they were all about serving ministry. People on our prayer team, as a matter of fact, we don't even call it I've, I've gotten away from calling it prayer team. I call it ministry team because they're all about ministry. Alpha group leader, leaders, they're involved in ministry. All these people are serving you, and you're serving each other internally inside the church, and that's ministry. But when we step outside of these walls, we start serving the community, particularly any of those people in the community that are not associated with any church at all start serving in our region, our country, or even around the world going on mission trips. Then we're doing mission. Ministry and mission are both serving. And the more you serve, the more significant your life is going to be. I promise you. It might be hammering a nail in a wall. It might be helping us paint out there on Highway 9. It might be leading in worship. Whatever it is, use that gift to serve others. And if you ever feel like your significance level is dwindling, it's running low, then turn up the heat on your service. Maybe change areas where you service, where you serve. Maybe you're a greeter and it's become kind of dull for you or commonplace for you and you're not ex excited about it or as passionate about it. See if you can't work in the cafe. See if you can't you know, work in the parking lot. Some other place in addition or in, a, in place of where you are right now. Some place that would reinvigorate. How about renovate your, your level of service? You can get involved in serving in ministry in this church, and you can be equipped to serve in ministry, I mean, in mission outside the church. That's why a great church is a place to discover your significance. And who do we model this after? Hopefully, we model it after Jesus. He said He wants to give us a life of significance. He said we could be significant. He said we should be significant. And he said we would be significant if we lived out the great commandment and the great commission. Historians and scholars don't, honestly don't agree on too much. But I think the majority of them would agree that Jesus Christ is perhaps the most significant person that ever lived. I mean, when your birthday splits time into B.C. and A.D., you're probably a pretty significant person. I don't think any of us can top that. 
His teachings have shown hundreds of millions of people how to live a life that can be significant. His death and His resurrection give us access to God throughout eternity without anybody intervening in between. Direct to direct, to direct face to face, toe to toe, communication and access to God throughout eternity. But Jesus says that His way of significance is through service. Isn't that what He said? The goal of the most significant person that ever lived was to serve. He says this in Matthew 20, verse 26. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's the example he set for us. And then the Apostle Paul, when he was writing to the church in uh, Rome uh, some years later, thinking about this very thing of service, the the, uh, servant leader that Jesus was. In Romans 5, 8, he wrote this, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us while we were still sinners. Don't overlook that. That's that's super important. While we were still sinners. Jesus served us when we had absolutely nothing whatsoever to give back to Him. That's true service. That's what service is is all about. Are you a true Christ follower? Because that's where it starts. Nailing it down, becoming a Christian, following Jesus. Is that you? Are you growing in Christ? Are you growing more like Christ? Are you making the right decisions in the right direction so that you can make a difference either in your life or the lives of the people around you? Are you serving others? Significance comes from doing the right things in the right way for the right reason over the right amount of time. And it takes time. It's not an overnight deal, remember. And if you want to begin to move in that direction, guess what? You're going to be empowered by God to do it. He's going to come right alongside you. As a matter of fact, Holy Spirit is going to indwell you so, and empower you so that you can live a life of significance. We can't be significant by ourselves. You can try and try and try and try and try. There's no way that you can ever achieve significance on your own. 2 Corinthians 3, 5 has this. Paul was writing to the church again. He said, Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He's the one that can make you significant. So as I leave you, my challenge for you is very simple, very simple. Don't 
be insignificant. Don't allow yourself to be insignificant. Determine that you're going to live a life of significance.